welcome to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be covering chapters 14 and 15 in the book of Leviticus. And before we begin today, I just wanted to start out with a quick prayer uh, to start the day. Dear Lord, I pray for my friends, my family, and anyone listening right now and their families and friends. I pray that you will help them with the struggles they may be going through in this season. For you know exactly what they need in this moment. Draw near to them and let them feel your presence. Open their eyes, ears, and hearts to you. Help them have the discernment to hear your voice as you lead them in their next steps. Speak to them as they read your word and bring verses of encouragement and comfort to their attention. I pray that you will calm any fear or anxiety they may be feeling. Replace it with the confidence to obey your word and to trust you. I pray that your guidance will be clear to them from this day forward. In your name, I pray. Amen. Chapter 14. Cleansing from skin diseases. And the Lord said to Moses, the following instructions are for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest who will examine them at a place outside the camp. If the priest finds that someone has been healed of the serious skin disease, he will perform a purification ceremony using two live birds that are ceremonially clean, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. The priest will order that one bird be slaughtered over a clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the live bird, the cedar stick, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop branch and dip them into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. The priest will then sprinkle the blood of the, bir- the dead bird seven times on the person being purified of the skin disease. When the priest has purified the person, he will release the live bird on the open field to fly away. The persons being purified must then wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and bathe themselves in water. Then they will be ceremonially clean and may return to the camp. However, they must remain outside their tents for seven days. On the seventh day, they must again shave all their hair from their heads, including the hair of the beard and eyebrows. They must also wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water. Then they will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, each person being purified must bring two male lambs and a one-year-old female lamb, all with no defects, along with a grain offering of six quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil and a cup of olive oil. Then the officiating priest will present that person for purification along with the offerings before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. The Lord will take one of the male lambs and the olive oil and present them as guilt offering, lifting them up as a special offering before the Lord. He will then slaughter the male lamb in the scarlet area where sin offerings and burnt offerings are slaughtered. As with the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. 
It is the most holy offering. The priest will then take some of the blood of the guilt offering and apply it to the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. Then the priest will pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into the oil in his palm and sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the Lord. The priest will then apply some of the oil in his palm over the blood from the guilt offering that is on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will apply the oil remaining in his hand to the hand to the head of the person being purified. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. Then the Lord must present the sin offering to purify the person who was cured of the skin disease. After that, the priest will slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar along with the grain offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the person who, ha who was healed and the person will be ceremonially clean. But, anytime who is, but anyone who is too poor and cannot afford these offerings may bring one male lamb for a guilt offering to be lifted up as a special offering for purification. The person must also bring two quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil for the grain offering and a cup of olive oil. The offering must also include two turtle doves or two young pigeons, whichever the person can afford. One of the pair must be used for the sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. On the eighth day of the purification ceremony, the person being purified must bring the offering to the priest in the Lord's presence at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will take the lamb for the guilt offering along with the olive oil and lift them up as a special offering to the Lord. Then the priest will slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering. He will take some of its blood and apply it to the lobe of the right ear and the thumb of the right hand and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will also pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into the olive, into the oil in his palm and sprinkle some of, this, some of it seven times before the Lord. The priest will then apply some of the oil in his palm over the blood from the guilt offering that is on the lobe of the right ear. The thumb of the right hand and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will apply the oil remaining in his hand to the head of the person being purified. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. Then the priest will offer the two turtle doves or the two young pigeons, whichever the person can afford. One of them is for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering, to be presented along with the grain offering. To be present. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. These are the instructions for purification for those who have recovered from a serious skin disease, but who cannot afford to bring the offerings normally required for the ceremony of purification. Treatment of Contaminated Houses Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you arrive in Canaan, the land I am giving you as your own possession, I may contaminate some of the houses in your land with mildew. The owner of such a house must then go to the priest and say, it appears that my house has some kind of mildew. Before the priest goes in to inspect the house, he must have the house emptied so nothing inside will be pronounced ceremonially unclean. Then the priest will go in and examine the mildew on the walls. If he finds greenish or reddish streaks and the contamination appears to go deeper than the wall surface, the priest will step outside the door and put the house in quarantine for seven days. 
On the seventh day, the priest must return for another inspection. If he finds that the mildew on the walls of the house has spread, the priest must order the stones from those areas be removed. The contaminated material will then be taken outside the town to an area designated as ceremonially unclean. Next, the inside walls of the entire house must be scraped thoroughly and the scrapings dumped on the unclean place outside the town. Other stones will be brought in the, to replace the ones that were removed and the walls will be replastered. But if the mildew reappears after all the stones have been replaced and the house has been scraped and replastered, the priest must return and inspect the house again. If he finds that the mildew has spread, the walls are clearly contaminated with serious mildew and the house is defiled. It must be torn down and all its stones, timbers, and plaster must be carried out of town to the place designated as ceremonially unclean. Those who enter the house during the period of quarantine will be ceremonially unclean until evening, and all who sleep or eat in the house must wash their clothing. But if the priest returns for his inspection and finds that the mildew has not reappeared in the house after the fresh plastering, he will pronounce it clean because the mildew is clearly gone. To purify the house, the priest must take two birds, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and hyssop branch. He will slaughter one of the birds over a clay pot into clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, the scarlet yarn, the live bird, and, and dip them in the blood of the slaughtered bird and into the fresh water. Then he will sprinkle the house seven times. When the priest has purified the house in exactly the way, he will release the live bird in the open fields outside the town through this process. The priest will purify the house and it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with serious skin diseases including scabby sores and mildew, whether on clothing or in a house, and a swelling on the skin, a rash or discolored skin. This procedure will determine whether a person or object is ceremonially clean or unclean. These are the instructions regarding skin diseases and mildew. Chapter 15 Bodily Discharges the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Any man who has a bodily discharge is ceremonially unclean. This defilement is caused by his discharge. Whether his discharge continues or stops, in either case the man is unclean. Any bed on which the man with the discharge lies and anything on which he sits will be ceremonially unclean. So if you touch the man's bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain clean until evening. If you unclean until evening, if you sit where the man with the discharge has sat, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch the man with the discharge, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If the man spits on you, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. Any saddle bl blanket on which the man rides will be ceremonially unclean. If you touch anything that had was under the man you will be unclean until evening you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening if the man touches you without first rinsing his hands you must wash your, your clothes and bathe yourself in water water you will remain unclean until evening any clay pot the man touches must be broken and any wooden utensil he touches must be rinsed with water when the man with the discharge is healed, he must count off seven days for the period of purification. Then he must wash his clothes and bathe himself in fresh water, and he will be ceremonially clean. 
On the eighth day, he must get two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord of, at the entrance of the tabernacle and give his offerings to the priest. The priest will offer one bird for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the man before the Lord for his discharge. Whenever a man has an emission of semen, he must bathe his entire body on water, in water, and he will remain ceremonially unclean until the next evening. Any clothing or leather with semen on it must be washed in water and it will remain unclean until evening. After a man and woman have sexual intercourse, they must each bathe in water and they will remain unclean until the next evening. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. Anything on which the woman lies or sits during the time of her period will be unclean. If any, uh, if any of you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch any object she has sat on, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. This includes her bed or any other object she has sat on. You will be unclean until evening if you touch it. If a man has sexual intercourse with her and her blood touches him, her menstrual impurity will be transmitted to him. He will remain unclean for seven days, and any bed on which he lies will be unclean. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days and it is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. As during her menstrual period, the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. Any bed she lies on and any object she sits on during that time will be unclean, just as during her normal menstrual period. If any if you touch these things, you will be ceremonially unclean. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. When the woman's bleeding stops, she must count off seven days, then she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must bring two turtle doves and two young pigeons and present them to the priest of the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify her before the Lord for the ceremony and purity caused by her bleeding. This is how you will guard the people of Israel from ceremonial uncleanliness. Otherwise, they would die, for their impurity would defile my tabernacle that stands among them. These are the instructions for dealing with anyone who has a bodily discharge, a man who is unclean because of an emission of semen or a woman during her menstrual period. It applies to any man or woman who has bodily discharge to a man who has sexual intercourse with a woman who is ceremonially unclean. So many chapters of Leviticus give instructions concerning rituals of purification. Today, we still deal with many of these same issues under the label of quote-unquote personal hygiene. Leviticus 15 talks quite bluntly about various bodily fluids. Men are considered, quote-unquote, unclean, at least in ceremonial sense, after a discharge of semen or other emissions. Women are considered unclean during and after a discharge of blood, whether due to a childbirth or their monthly period or some other type of bleeding. They were to bathe and make specified sacrifices before being clean once again. 
Neither men nor women are allowed inside the tabernacle, God's tent of meeting when unclean. Today, people in most parts of the world have much greater access to clean water and hygienic procedures than people did during the time of ancient Israel. So what's the relevance of these lengthy passage for us? passages for us? For one thing, God still cares deeply about all aspects of our lives, physical as well as spiritual. He created both our bodies and souls, and He wants us to honor Him with both. Second, it is ironic to note that in these modern times, despite our medical advancement, Sexual fluids seem to be the cause of more suffering and trauma than we ever expected. From genital herpes to chlamydia to AIDS, our world is being ravaged. Perhaps God's detailed regulations regarding physical cleanliness weren't such a bad idea after all. It's not that God considers human sexuality quote-unquote dirty. After all, God created sex, but he knows how easy it is to spread disease if sex is used in ways he didn't intend. When these laws may seem very detailed and frustrating to read through, don't lose sight of the point of it all. God is perfect and holy, and we are not. And there are many ways we're not. Some are sinful, while others are just because we live in a broken world and sometimes houses in a broken world get mold. <laughs> but even that mold serves as a reminder of the fall. And it has to be atoned for. It has to be covered. There are lots of offerings. The leprous person brings an offering when they're healed. But people also bring an offering for their house when the house is purified. With any of the various discharges, there's an offering. Reproduction and all its affiliated fluids are not gross or sinful. God ordained them. But even the best parts of God's plans have a kind of brokenness attached to them now. We saw this in the curses God laid out for Adam and Eve. Man's work, which brings them joy, would have new levels of struggle attached to it. Women's childbearing and relationships with their husbands, which are often sources of joy for them as well, would have new challenges. These things we try to find our identities and joy and prove less than perfect, forcing us to look back to God, our Creator, for true acceptance and love and joy. In chapter 14, verse 34, God is clear on the fact that he's in charge of putting leprosy where it shows up. Some people like to attribute all disease and struggle to the enemy, but God is sovereign over even the enemy's work. In the midst of all this heavy stuff, God gives Moses a reminder that they aren't going to be lifting and living in tents in the wilderness forever. God goes ahead and tells Moses how to handle it if and when there's leprosy in their actual houses in the land of Canaan someday, when they finally get there. God's giving 
a fun reminder that someday they'll be in Canaan and they'll have houses. Those houses might have mold, though, so even Canaan isn't perfect. With all these sacrifices and offerings, let's look at three important aspects at the heart of it all. First, it's about giving something that costs you. Animals, food, oil. Second, it's about the element of substitution. Something else is covering the debt for your sins. When they perform these sacrifices, they're essentially saying that the things being done to this animal are what they actually deserve themselves. Third, it's about drawing near. The heart of sacrificial offerings is to be able to draw near to God. Remember that He has them do these sacrifices at the entrance of His temple, not out in the middle of nowhere, not in the wilderness or far away from His manifest presence. Sinners are called to draw near. In chapter 14, verses 3 to 4, we see the leprous man getting healed and then going to be cleansed. Those who are healed must then be cleansed. This paints a picture of justification and sanctification. Justification is when God the judge declares us righteous, even though we're sinners because of what Christ did on our behalf. It's a, it's a judicial term, a legal standing. Sanctification is the process of God cleaning us up to look more like Him. It's a relational act in which He purifies us, and it's a lifelong process. Those who are healed are then cleansed, and those who are justified are then sanctified. In chapter 14, verses 3 to 4, God says, If the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. This phrase seems confusing. The priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed. Who is the priest commanding to do this? To get the necessary components for the sacrifice. This likely refers to the high priest commanding other priests to get what's required for the leprous man. Because he can't get it for himself. Anything he touches will become unclean and unfit for sacrifice if he gets it for himself. God knows we can't clean ourselves up. We can't heal ourselves. So he provides everything we need for healing and cleansing and even arranges for it to be brought to us. Here, in the midst of laws about skin disease, we see what a great, generous God we serve. Truly, He's where the joy is. Right. That concludes our reading today. And I just want to leave you all off once again with the daily devotional to take throughout your day. As you sit quietly in my presence, let me fill your heart and mind with thankfulness. This is the most direct way to achieve a thankful stance. If your mind needs a focal point, gaze at my love poured out for you on the cross. Remember that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate you from my love. This remembrance builds a foundation of gratitude in you.
foundation that circumstances cannot shake. As you go through this day, look for tiny treasures strategically placed along the way. I lovingly go before you and plant little pleasures to brighten your day. Look carefully for them and pluck them one by one. When you reach the end of the day, you will have gathered a lovely bouquet. Offer it up to me with a grateful heart. Receive my peace as you lie down to sleep. With thankful thoughts playing a lullaby in your mind. Thank you all for listening today to this episode of the Bible Podcast. I hope you all have a great day. God bless each and every one of you.